Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B as in boy, I double Z, A double R O. And today I have with me my lovely, understanding, and amazing significant other and co host, Deborah Micus. How are you doing today, Deborah? I'm good. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I know she's very few words when I introduce her, everyone. <laughs> I get a little shy. He's, you know, kind of gushes over me. It's a little, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> this is what happens when you're so beautiful I'm, and I can't stop staring at you. Oh, on the oh mic. no. See, I'm, if, if everyone could see me, I'm blushing a lot. <laughs> so today we'll be talking again with Susie Sheffield of a beautiful briny sea. This will be episode part two uh, for her. So Susie, how are you doing today? I am great, and so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, and just while the gushing is going on, we absolutely love your products in our house, and uh, we talked a little bit about it on part one, but Deborah wasn't on there, so, um, and we've seen you add numerous Flavor of Georgias, I believe. I can't, um, we talked a yeah. little bit about it before, but how many Flavor of Georgias have you been in? Um, let me, let me think. Well, four, so three. We've been in three. And I think we took a year off. We didn't apply one year. So since 2016. Which is so. when we started going. Yeah. Yeah. So yes. we're kind of like old friends at this I've point. Always, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're one of the people who are like, oh, yay, we get to see her. <laughs> it's fun for sure. It's like a little I reunion when we go back. Distinctly from, yes. No, I remember you guys distinctly from day one. So <laughs> we at least have a once a year reunion. So. Which is great. I know. Hopefully more that we want now that we're spending more time in Georgia here and there. Are you literally yeah. in the Atlanta area or where are you located? Oh, smack dab. Um, I am in Grant Park. So um, I could have walked to Flavor, Georgia, which is right by the Capitol. Um, so, um, yeah, right in the middle of Grant Park, um, about one block and 12 feet off Memorial Drive. So, Oh, wow. So are you in a high rise? Pardon? Are you in a high rise? Like living, no, city um, living? Do you know where, like, no, we're six feet under us. Do you know where six feet under us? Yeah. Little Tart Bake Shop. And yep. So that's like a development. And then it's the most random thing. If you start walking towards the zoo, there's the corner of Woodward and Cherokee. And then you see, oh, charming Victorian house next door to a charming Victorian house. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's this weird 1960s warehouse and that's us and then next door is a charming victorian house so there's no rhyme or reason why we're here we just have a seven thousand square foot warehouse in the middle of a charming historic neighborhood but we'll take it (laughs) yeah it sounds kind of perfect (laughs) it is perfect it's great and then um robbie and i live five doors down and that's how we found the place we would um walk to mescalitos for dinner two or three nights a week when we first moved in our house and one night he was like but what is this? And it had a for sale or lease sign on it. And so he's like, maybe you should call. It's like, this is so big city. There's no way. And I just called the number and it ends up that Tad, who owns, um, he owns six feet under, bought the, the structure and the parking lot next to it. So he had the additional parking and he just kind of wanted to let go of the warehouse. So I called him and now this is our home. We've had it for five years. So it's great. I get to walk to work in my bathrobe sometimes <laughs> if needed. <laughs> That's perfect. So, I mean, so yeah. did you grow up in a city environment or is, is this city living kind of a newer thing for you? No, no. Grew up in the city. Um, it's like a nice, perfect kind of balance. I grew up in Chastain Park. So it's sort of, it's 
far north inside the perimeter as you could get, and now I'm as far south inside the perimeter as you can get. So um, my, we, uh, yes, I've been, I'm a native Atlanta, so um, mom still lives on the north side of town, so I, I go back and forth um, throughout the week. So That's great. So do you even great. use your car much, or can you mostly walk to the stuff that you need and want? No, I, I walk, well, although in the spirit of being an entrepreneur, it, it seems goofy that I do get in my car to drive five doors down because <laughs> got to go to the bank or we need a test ingredient or, you know, it's a number of, you know, errands that you have to do throughout the day. So I hate to say it. I would like to be romantic and say, I've never been in my car, but no, I, I have to have my car. Yeah. There's Robbie convenience. Visit Georgia State. Yeah. I don't think he's ever driven. I know for a fact in the past five years, he's never driven to work, but me, yes. You never know when you're going to run out of dish soap or, um, pH test strips or, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I have a bike. I mean, I have a bike, but yeah. I get it. I get it. I I take my car every day. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of needed, especially as a small business owner. There's so many facets to the business and so many things that, you know, all the different hats you have to wear. And so I, you know, I completely get it. And. And so, Susie, uh, just I want to remind everyone, just because I love this story so much. Um, well, one, tell us how we can find you on social media and on the Internet. And then, two, tell us about how you came up with your logo again. I just want to remind the audience of it because I love the story, and it'll uh, sort of leap us into the conversation about the, the salts and the sugars again. Oh. Okay, great. Um, social media, we are, well, website, www.beautifulbrinyc.com, and it's B-R-I-N-Y. People always want to put an E in it. Um, and then Instagram, at Beautiful Briny C, and Facebook, uh, just Beautiful Briny C. I think that's, uh, Twitter is at Beautiful Briny. Um, and then my, um, we have, we, we sort of, the, there are two parts to our logo. So the name of our company is Beautiful Briny C, which is a line from uh, Ben a song um, in the movie Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, which is one of my favorite movies as a kid. It's a 1960s Disney film with Angela Lansbury. It was kind of half animation. Um, and there's a song bobbing along the beautiful briny sea. And so I thought, because when, when the company started, it was you know just sea salt. And then um, Robbie, my sweetheart, one day found this picture of my father and he went to the United States Naval Academy and it was a picture of him when he was 23 on a submarine. And this was a non-nuclear submarine. And it was back before, um, you know, they had GPS or anything like that. And it was, it's a picture of him holding a sextant looking out over the horizon in the Pacific. And it was a tiny sepia toned photo, like smaller than a wallet size. It's, it's lovely. And he said, this should be your logo. And I thought, how fabulous, how wonderful. And so, it's one of the main um, tenets of our business, and it's truly like the inspiration behind everything. I like to look at it and say the name of our company is Beautiful Barney C. Our logo and our brand identity is this picture of my father. And so I just always say the two tenets of our existence here are creativity with a sense of integrity at all times. So I've... that's how that came to be. <laughs> That's a great story. I mean, I think that's one of the, one of the coolest things about you and your company and each of your items is all the stories behind it. And in today's world, we talk about it a lot on this podcast about how people really want to know where their food's coming from and they want to know the people. And you kind of let yourself out there a little bit by adding your creativity and, and sharing that with people. 
So, Justin, do you want to kind of bring well, up some I of Well, I got the... a question okay. first. Just because, I mean, all the many years <laughs> we've been together, Deborah, have you ever seen bed knobs and broomsticks? I have not. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when is... you said that, I was like, I, I should probably see this show now. <laughs> it's, a, it's a movie, Disney movie, for sure. And, Deborah, you were just at Disney World for your birthday. I know. I, I have not That's seen right. it. That's right. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen it, so we'll definitely put it on the to-do list. Justin, I'm sure we'll be, you know, putting it on the TV tonight because he's very good about, you know, getting stuff done. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm looking at it. Is it a musical? Do you know if it's a, is it a musical? Pardon? Is it a musical? Oh, it's, it's sort of, well, it's, it's sort of that magical time in Disney. Like, would you call Mary Poppins a musical? Yes. But then it's also, it's kind of everything. And then animation and underwater scenes. It's just like fantastic Disney at its like heyday, I would think. Like all those movies they did in the 60s and 70s. So yeah, yes, it's a musical because like- there's a soundtrack. Pardon? No, it's where they actually took like four years to make a movie. They just didn't pump it yeah. out in a year where they actually recorded it and then did the animation over it, over the yeah. film, like literally by yeah. hand. Yeah, well, that's why it took mm-hmm. so long. Although it was so cool. Okay, I'm really excited to see it because I Mary Poppins <laughs> is definitely one of my favorite movies. And we recently started watching is the new one of it. Mary and Poppins Returns. I don't yeah. know. It just wasn't the same to me. I mean, it still was sweet and whatever. But the first one, maybe just because I was a kid or whatnot. But I swear I've watched that movie a million times. So maybe I have a new oh, thing a I'm about to fall yeah. in love with. Yeah. I know. And it's perfect timing since we're talking about sugar. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Oh. <laughs> and so... I actually have a question for you, Susie. Speaking of sugar, I mean, how come, and we didn't talk about this before, how come you use sea salt and how come you use cane sugar versus all the other types of sugars and salts that are out there? Well, sea salt is just, it's, for one, it's naturally harvested. You can, um, sea salt versus like a pink Himalayan or something. Um, I just found, um, well, first of all, just the, the purity the mineral spectrum, the mineral abundance, and just the health benefits from a lower sodium salt um, is, is where sea salt is from. Salts from around the world, I mean, yes, pink Himalayan, it's not a sea salt. It's actually a mine salt. But I chose this particular salt we use um, because of the grain structure that it naturally broke into. And then also um, the finish it has. Like you can have salts that have like a sweeter finish, a more mineral finish. Um, uh, 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 some will have like a residue. I mean, there, there are all kinds of salts. There are all kinds of flavors um, and flavor profiles. And this one that I chose, it's a Pacific salt. Um, and so that's, I, I, I like, I like to say that salt is sort of the canvas for the things that I'm creating. And so this is just the canvas I chose. Some people, you know, it just depends on what kind of medium, like if you're an artist, what medium you work in, well, what, what is your base? Like, what do you choose? So this is, just happens to be the one that works best for the things that I'm trying to build on top of it. Um, and then the cane sugar um, is, uh, this is a cane sugar we get from Brazil. And it's, um, I'm not a very sweet person. Like I never tend to default to like sweet and I don't like to mix sweet and savory. So the sugar that we found is just incredibly light. Um, it's not very sweet. It's just a very clean, pretty sugar that you can add stuff to. And um, so like our Mexican chocolate, like I've never put sugar in my coffee 
at all. I'm 46 years old, never. But I'll put our Mexican chocolate sugar in my coffee because it doesn't really translate that sweet note. It translates what we mix it with. So in a sense, these two things that I've chosen to work with, it's basically because of the the canvas they provide me to incorporate other flavors. So I wanted to know, of all of the different seasonings you have, which is the one you personally use the most, like in your everyday life? You would, you would think, since I live five doors down, that Robbie and I have this um, kitchen full of our product. We really don't. You don't. But, I mean, which, first, yeah, and I'm, I'm constantly like, oh, and at the grocery store, I'm like, I really need to get some. I'm like, I have, I have that, like, I have, you know, pounds and pounds of it. It's one of those things. Um, but, uh Right now on the stove are French Picnic and Sultan Papadopoulos, the lemon curry. So those two. And then um, sometimes I, well, and we do have truffle too, but you can't really, you know, truffle everything you eat. So, um, but no, I, I would say French Picnic and the Sultan right now. But that could change next week, so you never Although, know. <laughs> you know what I love doing with the truffle is um, putting it on popcorn. I'm a big pop- popcorn fan. I just pop Me it too. on the stove with <laughs> olive oil and sprinkle it on. It's amazing. It's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, and sure. olive oil is so underestimated on popcorn. The unfiltered olive oil on popcorn is delicious. So we've been doing that, too, with the truffle. That's why the truffle's in the house. So good <laughs> maybe you can pop some when you're watching bed nuts and broomsticks i definitely will i definitely will i know we're watching it tonight <laughs> I'm, I'm in i'm good it sounds like a plan so i mean la- when we ended last time we sort of we were starting to talk about Sultan papadopoulos which is great because deborah's greek so and papadopoulos is obviously a greek name so how did yes. how did you come up with the name Sultan papadopoulos and tell us a little bit about the story about that salt well, I love Mediterranean anything. Just the lifestyle, the food, the culture, the way the food is so embedded in the culture and the culture is so embedded in the food of that whole region. And I love lemons. I love oregano. I love dill. And you can't say, oh, that's Greek because hello, Turkey and Marash and Urfa chilies. And, and so I feel like, you know, there is a gulf between the two countries. But the food and the devoutness to the culture and the food, I just felt like those two were intertwined. So I didn't want to say, here's a Greek salt or here's a Turkish salt. So I tried to blend the two, even though there's been, you know, um, historical strife between the two. So I was trying to, <laughs> trying to not offend anyone and make a, you know, a Greek, a Greek Turkish blend. And so I call it, you know, a lemon curry with Greek herbs and Turkish spices. So, so and I tried to, I, I couldn't think of a name. I was like, how do you come up with something Greek and Turkish? I was like, did I call it like Toga and Fez or something? And that was a little goofy. So I came but up. But funny. I just came up. Yeah. So I took a Greek last name and then a Turkish um, title. So Sultan Papadopoulos. That's how that happened. So I and like I said, it. And Papadopoulos, like it's such a great um, typical Greek last name. It's long and it has the, you know, ending and it's fun to say. Yeah. yeah so you picked a good yeah. one. Yeah. Do you know anyone yeah, with well, that last name? Just curious. Or no? Well, <laughs> no, no, I just, I, I, I just knew it was a long name and I've heard it before. And so, but apparently, um, and actually in town, there's a Dr. Papadopoulos, who is a, you know, very well um, known and highly esteemed uh, dermatologist here in Atlanta. And then out of, and a very, and then a, a decorator, her name is Nikki Papadopoulos. She's a designer 
and she's actually, um, she buys our stuff all the time and we follow each other on social media. <laughs> so <and> her family <laughs> is in the restaurant. They own Athens Pizza here in Atlanta. So we used to come friends through that. Um, but when, when I came up with the name, I was like, this is so random. And I just did a trademark search. But then I also Googled it, found nothing except there's someone who has a, I need to find them. But I'm terrible at social media. I don't get on our Facebook page. Someone else runs it because I don't have a personal account. There is a Sultan Papadopoulos on Facebook. <laughs> really? Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So just curious. So does your friend Nikki or the dermatologist do either of them sell your product or have it available in either his office well, or we, her restaurant? Well, no, we need to find the dermatologist. I just know he's in town because whenever we're at farmer's markets, we're like, do you know Dr. Papadopoulos? I was like, no, but I need to find him. But no, Nikki is great. She's actually come by the studio with her daughter a couple of times. We chat. We found she started following us, so we of course instantly sent her a care package. And then, but I think she has been buying the product before. Who knows? But we love her. She's part of the family. So <laughs> that's so great. You're like instant <laughs> friendship over this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love so, the name, and I, I went to college with the Papadopoulos. You did? Yep, I did. Two of them, actually, in one school, not related. That's um, odd. Most Greek people are related sort of somehow. A program. Yeah, we should have something sort of, we should have a coupon code, or if you can show your photo, I'd be get a free can, so... Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea, actually. That is a great idea. Yeah. Well, and historically, Calling do Greeks Papa. and Turkey, Turkish, the Turks, get along? I think historically there's yeah, been there's... some rivalry, but yeah, they, so they come together in the salt, which is kind of cool actually, because historically I don't think they've gotten along. No, 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 no. That's why I had to, and you know, I just couldn't take this cultural chance and be like, hey, you're, you know, because you, I mean, there's some sensitivity there, and so I asked um, my contemporary Greek and Turkish friends, and then I said, can you ask your grandmother, or can you ask, you know, your, and grandmothers were a little like a little edgy and then the second generation and then the third generation. So I kind of, I had to get the blessing from several people before I felt comfortable doing it. Cause you know, I'm, I'm, I am, you know, not immersed in either of the cultures. So, but yeah, I, I once, you know, if I get a third or fourth um, generation and a blessing from their, I got a great grandmother on board as well. So there you go. You're going way me. back on in the okay, eyes. So I went forward with it. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's interesting. I actually, we just interviewed a guy out of um, Oakland, California, and he does rolls, but he uses phyllo dough, which is actually Deborah uses in Greek cooking as well. But the Turks use it. But to your to the point is, you know, they may not get along, but there's a lot of common things in the way they cook food and the, the spices they use and the seasonings they use and things like that, which is so interesting. You know, you think about it, really how flat the world actually is and that we're all very um, similar, but we just, we don't get along for, for weird fundamental reasons or because it's historically been that way. But even just what you're doing with the salt is so cool because you've taken like the basics of each and combined them together to create something amazing. Yes, yes, I totally, yes. That's why I was like, well, lemon is going to be in this. I was like, well, lemon and then curry. And then so everything kind of lined up. I was like, well, this is Greek and Turkish. And then I thought, okay, well, I'll put the urfa and the marash chili. And then I'll put tons of dill and oregano. And so I was like, there's no way this can't be either because everyone shares pretty much every ingredient in this sauce except for like one or two. So you're absolutely right. I mean, food, 
food is, if, if everyone could eat food, we I don't think we'd have any problems <laughs> in <laughs> and the world. And I've, <laughs> been, bread and I've been to Turkey twice, and the amount of seasonings and spices and things that they have there, it's so it's surreal. Um, and actually, probably many people don't know this, but there's like embargoes um, on things that we can't bring in certain seasonings from Turkey into the United States. Like during my grad school program, people try to bring some of the seasons and spices back into the U.S. at Newark Airport in New Jersey, and they actually got confiscated. And there's just certain things that we don't allow oh. in. But I, Deborah and I have been there once, but I was there also for grad school and lived there for about a week, a little over a week. And, um, and it was just crazy, the abundance of spices and, and seasonings that they have. Well, and then also just the, the, the impact they have on the flavor of something. It could be a blend like a curry with like 15 spices, or it could just be one ingredient like sumac or something, and you have a piece of food with a little like acid from lemon and olive oil and just that one spice and it transforms. Yeah. It's like stunning. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's and the, then just the spice market in general, like it's, it's, it's amazing. So, so Susie, do you um, cook a lot yourself? Is that how you started with all of the seasonings and you were like, gosh, it'd be so easy if I just blended them all together and poured out of one container. I cook a lot. I've always cooked. Like when I was tiny, I had the coolest mom in the world who let me make a mess of the kitchen, which I think is probably one of the greatest things she's ever done. So never followed recipes. I just could kind of make stuff up. And then um, I actually had a restaurant for 17 years, and I hesitate to say restaurant. I would never call myself a chef. I was just like a cook, and I had a snack bar for 17 years. It was <laughs> tiny. And so when I moved back to Atlanta, where it's just, you know, my, my native city, um, I definitely didn't want to open a restaurant in Atlanta, but I definitely wanted to stay with food. I wanted to work with farmers. I wanted to work with restaurateurs. I wanted to stay in food. I was like, and after, you know, the chaos of a restaurant, I was like, what is the most shelf-stable thing I can do and still be in food? And I just came up with this idea of dry goods, which also speaks to my childhood um, dream of, do you remember Little House on the Prairie? I do. Deborah. So, <laughs> you know, when, when <laughs> you know, when Ma Ingalls and Laura would go into town, they would go to the Ol- Olson's Mercantile mm-hmm. and they would be in, and you that she would be in behind the counter and behind her was this huge wall of spices and flour and sugar. And they would buy things and they'd wrap them in butcher paper and tie them with twine. And I was just like, that's the coolest thing ever. That that's my dream. And so that's <laughs> my dream. The studio, you'll <laughs> see we have, we have two butcher block tables and then behind is this wall of spices. It's four, one, two, three, four, five, six, um, shelves tall and we have over like a hundred big apothecary jars full of spices and that's what we use so it's sort of like two dreams come true so I, I, I still get to work with food it's shelf stable I don't have the chaos of a restaurant and I have my spice wall so you're like it's a win all the way around I mean it's smart yeah. though I mean <laughs> because the food industry is really difficult and I think the restaurant business is incredibly complex I mean there's so many moving parts and so many ingredients and waste and employees and you know the POS systems I mean it just goes on and on and on what goes into a restaurant so I can understand being like not to mention in Atlanta there's nine million restaurants so I can see why you were like okay different tact you know and yes. so 
You mentioned wanting to work with farmers and stuff. So, you know, in working with farmers, do you go direct to the farmers to get your ingredients? Is that how you do your procurement or you do a variety of things? Well, it depends. It's like we we get inspiration from farmers or especially um, it sort of dictates like seasonality. And so I just feel like it's so important to work with your local farmers, micro farmers, urban farmers, and especially foragers. Um, it just sort of sheds light onto how things should taste and how things should be unprocessed. And so um, I, you know, the, the urban garden around the corner definitely doesn't want to sell me all of their rosemary because they, you know, I'm the, I'm the manufacturer here, but they definitely want to bring me new stuff and show me new things. And then I support them as much as I can, but it's more important for them to go to farmer's markets and get it in the hands of more consumers. So, um, especially like with the salt, even, you know, in Georgia, we have several, uh, there, there are a couple of one, two, like four or five, um, people that are producing salt. Well, I would love to say this is, you know, salt from the Georgia coast, but it's just a matter of scale and volume. So, we work with the farmers and we work with the local foragers and growers and support them as much as we can. But it's actually, um, it's, it's not feasible just on this larger scale for us to um, buy solely from local growers. Right. But definitely the inspiration, um, the uh, advice and the guidance we get from them is invaluable. So. Right. So like your rosemary sea salt, uh, do you get the rosemary in fresh and then dehydrate it or do you start with a dry product? We do. We And actually uh, Oakland Cemetery across the street from us brings us a lot of rosemary. Right. Um, if, you've ever, if you're familiar with Oakland, but they have just these just rambling, um, rambling uh, like landscape. And uh, just rosemary abounds. And so they'll come over and drop off. They'll even like leave it by the front door. So we do use some of their rosemary. We dehydrate it. But then also just to get the texture, like with the salt, like you can't just say, hey, let's throw some stuff in salt and it'll it'll work. Um, everything we have here. So like rosemary is a great example. Um, so we'll have the rosemary. We dry it. We'll grind it. Um, but then we'll grind it kind of like to where it's a little rustic. So you get like maybe a whole needle or you'll get like a chopped up needle. So you want that variation in texture. But then we do also, um, we do purchase from Mountain Rose Herbs, which is out in Oregon, um, rosemary powder, where they've run it through this mill and it's just finer than baby powder. So that just puts that extra line of, of uh, like extra, like punch of the rosemary. So Right. And that probably sticks real nice to the uh, salt and stuff. I mean, so you just mentioned, though, about you can't just grind it all up. And, you know, when you get your products and stuff, I'm always surprised. Like, it really stays mixed really nicely. And I would think that things would have different weights and stuff. And so do you, how do you factor all that in to keep it so it stays? It's just trial and error learning, like, how long to grind something mm-hmm. or well, if we're going to have this at this weight and this density, then we're going to need to kind of offset it by something so that everything stays flowing together. And then, you know, we're not putting in anti-caking agents. I mean, this is a very natural handmade product. So fingers crossed that <laughs> that it keeps going this well and that, you know, I don't, we've never, we've never felt the need to put any sort of preservative or any sort of assisting agent in anything we make. So 
Um, if we have one chili that's ground really fine, we try to find another chili and flake it so that the two will take care of each other, if that makes sense. Like you'll have the powder bathing one and then the big flake kind of clinging to the salt and somehow both of those flavors get translated. So I'm not a scientist or a chemist. I'm still just kind of winging it all. So, <laughs> but that's what it's all trial and error here. <laughs> well, you're doing so. well, obviously. I mean, that's people love your products. I know we do. So. They're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys. Well, it's fun too, to just kind of go to one container and be able to just be like, Oh, this is going to turn my protein or my vegetables into a whole meal. You know, it gives you like a little variety when you kind of can't come up with the idea yourself and, or when you're short on time or whatnot. And the flavor profiles that you guys offer are, you know, really diverse and fun and from appetizers all the way through on through to desserts or even into, you know, doing drinks and stuff, you know, putting it on the rims of a martini or whatever. Perfect. That's it. I mean, that's when people, when we're trying to, well, thank you, obviously. Thank you so much for saying that. But that's the main, that's what we try to say. People are like, how do I use this? What do I do? I'm like, don't, just don't even think about it. Just don't just, if you're cooking and you're reaching for salt, just grab this and it'll just, that's what you're supposed to do. So we're not trying to, you know, transform anything. We're just trying to say, Hey, I'm over here. You know, why not, why not French picnic today on your scrambled eggs or, you know, and then, like you said, like you were just saying, like you use it on so many things, you just kind of get to know it. It's like a new friend in your kitchen. Like, come on. Cause I feel like throughout, you know, it's just, if you think about your, 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 um, when people, this is why I hesitate to say artisan sometimes. Cause I feel like if you say artisan, you're pigeonholed. It's like this pretty, jar of something that somebody brought me from somewhere and I don't want to use it because it's so pretty and you know so we want to be banged up and tossed around the kitchen and taken outside and you know used every day so we try to try to um, translate that hopefully into your kitchen (laughs) so well and it's cool too because even just like mixing it in with an oil pick one that you like you know and then using it in your dressing or i mean it's just unbelievable how diverse your product really is and how you can use it and even kind of mixing some of them you can take some of the because i am kind of a salty sweet person so even mixing some of them and you know the hot steve is one of my favorites too because i like all things spicy so uh (laughs) most all things i mean a dessert yeah but even that sometimes like you see like people are putting like cayenne into chocolate and i'm like Oh yeah, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we need to use more of the pocketful of starlight, like as a sugar in baking, because it's like we use it, but it never occurred to me to actually use it in, sh- in exchange for sugar on the and when we bake. Oh, I didn't think of that. Oh either. yeah, because we talked about it last <laughs> episode, why... but I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't we think of that? <laughs> well, I'm not a sweet person, and Deborah, I'm glad you are. Um, so I thought, well, it doesn't, you know, so the idea of the sugar being a full pound with a scoop of like, yeah, just people that are baking and something calls for a cup of sugar, use a quarter cup of one of our flavored sugars. So, um, that's why I wanted to have sort of a utilitarian factor too. Um, and I'm not a baker either, so but Sugar even like kind of some of it, like you can just use it as to like sprinkle on the top. Like if you made brownies and then put like some of the Mexican chocolate sugar, sprinkle it on the top and bake it. I yeah. mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> right. I mean, or a piece yeah. of toast with butter. <laughs> I mean, I haven't had breakfast. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> I'm starting to like imagine all sorts of food that I could be eating. <laughs> I know, but I think one yeah. of the great things is you can literally, you don't need to carry all the spices and the sugars and the seasonings in your thing. You can just 
buy the salt things and then have them all there or the sugar and have them all there and then have the variety you need you know brownies the mexican chocolate sugar would probably be amazing just as a replacement of the sugar you know that's mm-hmm. like, okay on a yeah, total then, i wanted to ask you something oh go ahead Oh, no, you go ahead. I'm just mumbling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wanted to ask you because, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm scrolling through your website and stuff and looking at the different products. And I wanted to ask you, I wasn't on the first time you were on the show. And so if you cover this, I I apologize for being repetitive, but I love your packaging and I love that it's different than other seasonings. A lot of times your seasoning, you know, has like the typical screw top and it comes in a little glass jar and you can sprinkle it on. But yours, I love it. It's because it's like the cylinder and you open the top and you can take a pinch of things and but like how did you come up with that I mean I I mean why did you it's it's not typical so I'm just curious like how did you come to that packaging well for one if you're cooking um and you're by the stove and you're walking around and some people have an island some people have just like an l-shaped counter where there's stoves in the back so I was just thinking ergonomically like if you're cooking and you're kind of in the chaos which is fabulous cooking should always be chaos in my opinion. <laughs> so when you're in that zone, you kind of want to, you don't want to go, oh, let me reach into the cabinet and pull down the heavy glass something and take the cork off and then, you know, have to like pinch way down and, you know, measure something out. Um, so I thought having a wide mouth was really important. And then the um, poster tube, it's almost, it's like a poster tube concept. Like you can pop the top off easily. It's very durable. It's um, a paper tube. It's nothing sacred. You know, it's you can bang it and it can drop on the floor. Nothing's going to happen to it. So it's like a utilitarian factor. And then I also like the fact of the paper tube. It's that much real estate to like put fun design and suggested uses and just sort of some negative space as well. So that's where the concept came up. We did start out with tins um, forever ago. I still actually, we should put a picture on our website just because it's sort of like the, the history and the evolution of we, we used these tins and it was fine, but it was sort of like, well, every candle in the world has seen this or every, you know, it just seemed kind of sterile. And then also it was tiny, but it was that whole like meticulous thing. You have to take the lid off and then like unscrew it. And then you have the small, right. like, I love the fact that like you can be cooking and not even looking and you can just reach into one of the containers and then, you know, at the grill or something and turn it around. So um, I don't know. We just kind of wanted it to be super, um, utilitarian and then also just um, easy to use. So, well, it's um, so and, much like easier to use with a spoon or with a pinch, like Deborah said. I mean, it just makes so much sense. Or like it's, a full you, tablespoon. You can't fit a tablespoon into the typical little seasoning jar. Yeah. It doesn't fit. I'm always like, why yeah. is it like this? And so, you know, it's on one side, it seems so obvious, but it's not how the rest of the industry is. And so I love it. I think it's a great container. And um, I, you know, when you say it gives you more real estate to be creative with, you have done exactly that. Your packaging is super cool and fun and creative. And it's definitely like fun to look through them. Um, and so do you do that artwork or do you have someone who helps you with all of that? Or do you have that skill of, you know, I know you're creative, um, but are you able to illustrate no, as well? No. no, Great. Oh, heavens no. I'm terrible. <laughs> like I'm the, like, yeah, no, I, I just can kind of conceptualize, but I would say great friends. Um, we, when, when I had my restaurant, um, and when I probably like three or four years into it, this was in the restaurant I had for 17 years. So this was a very long time ago. There were some um, 
college students, um, and they it, they're now you know lifelong friends. But they were an undergrad about to graduate, and this was their last year. And they came to the restaurant and like, "Hey, um, we're you know working on some projects. Would you mind if we did some posters for your restaurant?" And I was like, "Sure, you know, blah blah blah." And the first one they brought, I was like, "Stunned! It was beautiful, and it was perfect, and it was." funny and it was had all this crazy like so much in one little poster and so and and they just kind of made the poster for free tacos and that just kind of started this fabulous friendship and then when I decided to do this company it was like a no-brainer it's called the half and half um they're in Columbia South Carolina um Sarah Thomas um Nick Wilson who's no longer a part of it and then Thomas Jennings was one of their lead creatives and we just have this fabulous relationship like um i can call and say hey here's xyz i was thinking xyz can we do this or and then i always say at the end but do whatever you want and so that way we're not stepping on each other's creative toes and like nine times out of ten or i would just go ahead and say a hundred percent of the time it's perfect like there are a few little tweaks we have to make just for compliance but it's just like a great working relationship and a great creative relationship and like I'll come to them sometimes and Justin and I were talking about this. I don't know what comes first. It's like the concept or me, my desire to create a flavor profile. Like it just depends. Like you buy the shoes and then the outfit or sometimes you find the perfect <laughs> outfit and you don't wear it. So, so uh, like with Mr. Giggle Pants, I just came up with the name and I was like, oh my gosh, let me do a trademark search. No one's done anything, Mr. Giggle Pants. I'm like, what's it going to be? And so then I thought, well, it's got to be something fun. And so I thought, okay. And then I was, Coming, it's, it's got to be outrageous, but I don't want it to be artificial. So hibiscus powder, just like super pink, and then the citrus, and then I, so I came up with the flavor, and then I was like, "Well, it's Mr. Google Pants." And so then I sent an email to Sarah and Thomas. I was like, "Gay elephant, 1970s, like hot <laughs> pants, drinking champagne." And if you look at, and that's it, that's all. <laughs> and so if you look at the packaging, it's this elephant drinking champagne. He's wearing like some teeny tiny pink hot pants. And if you look closely, he has three little chest hairs, and then outside of his trunk is tee hee hee, tee hee hee, bubbles and smiles, and like he's drinking champagne. I was like, this could not be more perfect. So, and then I love it. Like, did you even say elephant to them, or they just you kind of gave them the name and they went to town? No, I said gay elephant pink or something. Okay, you gave them all of this with the champagne and. And I, I'm, I can't remember if he's on roller skates or not, but I think he kind of could be or he is in my mind. So, I mean, it's just things like that. <laughs> or with Campfire, um, they did the, they just made it perfect. But then Thomas and Sarah knew that I love the Pacific Northwest. So while it is very, like, um, it's very, it has to do with my childhood growing up in um, Western North Carolina, they put all the street, all the trees on the can as like Sitka Spruces, which is like a nod to the Pacific Northwest because, I don't know. So there's like embedded um, meaning and like hidden stuff and everything, like in everything that we make and do. And so they're very much a part of it. So um, it's great just being able to say, here you go. <laughs> and then who knows what they come up with. But it, it tends to like most of the time always be we're both kind of on the same page. So, so on that I topic, have great respect for designers. Yeah. Yes. Um, so on that topic, tell us about the ladybug picnic. Ladybird Picnic is back to my love. It's a song. I mean, it's an old, it's a, I, I don't know how to talk about music or design or things like that. I just know what I like. <laughs> so is it a folk song? Is it a kid song? I mean, it's just one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, the, it's a, 
an old song that I used to sing all the time. And so um, when we got asked to do a collaboration with Target, and I kind of shied away from it because, for one, that's just a great undertaking, and I didn't know if this was directly with Target. It was actually through Scout Mob. And I had been working on Ladybug Picnic for a while, and I was like, do I want to, you know, does this, you know, I didn't know how that relationship was going to go, or, you know, I didn't know if this was, you know, too, um, if I was getting ahead of myself. So I thought, you know what, I've been, this is the latest thing I've been working on. Um, And Ladybug Picnic is sort of a um, everything, it's like a kitchen sink salt for us, like, it started with, um, it, like, it has garlic, it has lemon, it has pepper. And I rarely put pepper in the blends we make. I'll use chilies and flakes and stuff, but just, like, a black pepper I kind of shy away from. And I was like, you know what? We need something full-flavored that sort of hits all kinds of flavor notes. So it has smoke in it. It has heat, a little bit of heat. It has, like, a tangy lemon. And so it was just sort of our kitchen sink blend. And then when we decided to launch it, I kind of held off on bringing it under um, our roster and I thought okay well we'll try this and we'll release this with the Scout Mob Target launch and it ended up going well um, but uh, it wasn't continued I think that whole um, partnership wasn't continued the Scout Mob Target and so I let it kind of expire for a while and then a year later I was like I sure do love a Ladybug Picnic and I sure do love the name and you know so we all had a meeting and we we're like let's bring and so that's where Ladybug Picnic comes from. Um, not, not, not a super glamorous story, but the song I've loved all my life. And um, we wanted something that you could, if you, you know, like think about tomato sandwiches or deviled eggs or um, just any sort of like simple, lovely food that if you just kind of want to really taste a little punch of flavor, it's sort of a nice finishing salt for kind of prepared food like that. Food that I love and like simple food I've grown up eating all my life. So. And the packaging is a little bit different. It doesn't say salt on it like um, the other ones. So how exactly. did you come up with that, the packaging? Well, when, when that was launched, that's why, because it was a, for the kind of collaboration with Target Scout Mob, I was like, let's like let's let's have the story behind it and let's have our creative, like kind of unique, like, you know, name and whatnot. But since it was going to be with Target, I was like, I don't know if we need to, you know, um, if the beautiful Bernie C branding needs to be a part of like this big corporate launch. So I kind of wanted it to differentiate a little bit. And so Thomas and Sarah just, I just said, maybe less beautiful Bernie C and more of just whatever, you know, comes to mind. And so that's what they came up with. So, you know, we, we very well could just go ahead and dial it into the, um, you know, have the salt on front and do it. But I think it's nice the way it is. And, um, and it is kind of weird. Like at first, I was like, "Wow, market studies! Like, are people going to be like, you shouldn't have an insect on your food?" No, I didn't. Even, I never even think about stuff like that. So, oh well, I feel like a... I think it's just so cute, though. I mean, it's not done like yeah. with a literal insect. It's you know more. It's a little more whimsical yeah. than that. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I think it's great looking. And then I think you know, Mister Giggle Pants is a little different. It doesn't have sugar on it. Like every now and then, we'll we'll stray away from the. Um, we'll stray away from the branding, but I feel like just our package design, people know it's us. So, 
so, and the fact that none of the names really make sense to anybody. <laughs> but, but I think that makes people curious, like, well, exactly. what would be in Mr. Google Pants? <laughs> you know, and then you have to kind of yeah. read the ingredients and you're like, oh, that's so fun. That'd be great, you know. And not to mention, I mean, I also think it's a great little present. Like if you're just going to someone's house, I mean, obviously it's fun to use in your own kitchen, but it's a nice little gift to give someone as well. It's a, you know, pretty easy, it's an easy price point and yeah. it's a nice little something to yeah. bring someone. It's cute in its own packaging. It's, you know, it's really great. Yeah, it's kind of pack- packaged already to like be a, an easy gift without even having to wrap up. And it's funny, when we first started, that was one of my main things, like, when we did America's Mart for the first time, we had a shoe store in Baltimore and she bought our salt and she sold nothing but shoes. She sold no food, but for some reason she liked our salt and just kind of wanted, I think, a personal purchase. Right. But she ended up selling it and she was one of our first biggest clients and she reordered on like like a twice a month easily for years. And then I think she went to, she closed her business. Um, but it was great. I was like, this is more than culinary. This is, right. you know, well, there's yeah, a lot of synergy if you think also, about that, right? A lot of times when you're buying shoes, you're, it's because you have to go somewhere to do something, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes you just buy mm-hmm. shoes because you want to buy shoes. But <laughs> a lot of times you're like, oh, I needed to go with this outfit because I have to go to a wedding or I have to go to a luncheon. Deborah, or I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that at the next trade show. Yeah. <laughs> It, well, go a lot for of it. There is a lot of synergies, you know, food. right. Of course, yeah. you know, you get invited to something. You're like, Oh, I should bring a present. And so I'm going to get cute shoes. <laughs> so I look great. And here I have a present. <laughs> Makes so much sense. That you can see why she crazy. did it. So how are most of your sales direct to consumer or are most of them through a retail outlet? Um, it's well, I actually looked at the analytics the other day. I was really surprised. We had a great, a year last year on our website. Um, so that combined with markets and stuff, I would say it's about 30% of our sales. The rest um, are mom and pops across the country. And then we have larger partnerships with William Sonoma. Um, we've just started working with Delta Airlines, Jenny's Ice Cream, um, Whole Foods. So I would say there are three components. One are these larger corporate partnerships, which are, I would say, all started out as this really fabulous way we all found each other. But I would consider William Sonoma just like my big brother and sister. And then um, our mom and pops, just lifelong friends. I mean, just, uh, you know, we couldn't, we just have been, I mean, since the beginning, I can tell you how we met everyone and how and where and how they order. And, you know, um, sometimes a, a lot of people still call in their orders. And so it's nice to talk to them once or twice a month. And then um, our direct-to-consumers, um, like our website people, we still have, like, fun little conversations with all the time. And then at markets, you know, we have market regulars and then uh, shows that we do throughout the country, um, especially in Seattle. Um, we flew out there five, no, oh, wow, seven years ago and um, had no idea what we were doing. We just knew we wanted to go to Seattle, so we tried to find a show, and Robbie found a film screening, and we were like, okay, and we sold out, like, the first day, the first like four or five hours. We're like, Oh, Seattle. And so that's just been, um, a lovely partnership, urban craft uprising. And they're big proponents of the handmade movement. And then as, as large as we can get, you know, we have 11,000 pieces going out this week for a corporate order. We're still like absolutely handmade. So I'm proud of that. And that's I'm huge. Proud that we still get to fit in the Congratulations. Handmade that's so. really huge. Oh, thanks. 
And you guys do it all. I mean, how many people are you are producing in your facility? How many, how many what? How many employees, Sorry. like how many people does it take for you to, like at this point, oh, considering these accounts? There are five of us. We're super efficient. We've oh got two production, two warehouse, myself, that just gets in the way and bothers everybody. And then um, we have a part-time um, uh, Holly, uh, Hollingsworth. She's actually the executive director of Freedom Farmers Markets here in Atlanta. And she she's our oldest, and uh, not oldest, she is our longest uh, tenured employee she works. She does her corporate compliance, so and um, fulfillment. So she um, she works here three days a week. So we are we are small but mighty. I like to say. I love it. I mean, t- so. I mean that's like the pinnacle of efficiency. That's really impressive. And you should name a salt that, well, or a sugar that small and mighty. <laughs> small and mighty. Coming up next. Yeah. Justin, <laughs> I'm gonna have you and Deborah somewhere hidden. In the design. So. I know. Deborah is small and mighty, actually. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that's amazing. And look, how did you get involved with Delta Airlines? And what are, what do you, I mean, how, do you put pack, are you actually doing like salt packets or, or sugar packets? I mean, I'm a, Yeah, we I'm are curious. actually, no, we're, it's the Delta Sky Club. It's just a dial, can I go, but can I ADD and like go back for a second? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So all these major partnerships happen so randomly. We did not in any way try to go after them. It just happened um, magically, I'd like to say. I kind of feel like there's a good business karma, like if you're nice and run your business with integrity and nice to others and not greedy, I don't know, maybe magical things happen. Or I would. Um, there's this fabulous book, Give and Take, by Adam Grant that everybody should read because that, to me it's sort of how – and why and how and why things are successful or not successful or sometimes sort of just kind of mediocre. But anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> I was here <laughs> one night. Um, my dad was in hospice and, you know, you're just in this crazy space when that's going on. And I had run back to the house and grabbed um, like my toothbrush and some clothes. And then I came here to work to check my email and, you know, to leave a note for the employee saying, you know, I'm going to be gone for a few days. Please take care of stuff or whatever. And there was this email in my inbox and it said, hi, my name is Alex. I'm the savory buyer at William Cinema. I just found your Facebook page. Is there any way you could overnight a sample? And I was like, oh, my God, this is so crazy. And FedEx, thankfully, is around the corner from us and they're open until 830. So I, I don't even know what I did because, you know, you don't even you're not in your head. And so I ran <laughs> and dropped stuff off. And then this is Four years later, and we're we have we've made over forty products for them, and we're in every store in the United States and oh Canada God. and Australia. So that's huge. That's been super crazy, and we have the best time with them. We are friends, and like when we do product development, it's usually over cell phone photos, and like I don't know, it's just great. They're lovely, wonderful, amazing. I can't say enough about that partnership. Okay, and wait, can I back you up one second really cream. fast? Can I interrupt you? Okay, so when you got yeah. that, when they reached out to you, were you, um, yeah. was it a little bit like the feeling of when you buy a lottery ticket where your mind goes to like all the what ifs, <laughs> you know, like this could be really kind cool, of, this could be real, or were you just more like wanting to get it right away to them or did you go through a little fantasy no. period? No, it was more, here's what's so great about William Sonoma and us and, or the way that, or the way that we work together is that I 
I think if we had been like, we really want to get a Wayne Sonoma, what's it? We, it was just so natural the way it happened. And we weren't playing grown up and they weren't playing corporate. It was sort of like, hey, what they do and the way they approach things, I think it's a sincere and true partnership for one thing. But then also what they do with their food category and program is like they like to tell stories. And so I think of, the characters are right, and if the relationship is right, the story naturally unfolds. And so as long as there's that authentic feeling and everything, so it's never like, can you make X, Y, Z? It's sort of like, hey, what do you think about this or that and the other? So I guess to go back to your question, since I tend to <laughs> go everywhere, um, uh, it just, it wasn't, I didn't feel, it just felt very natural. It felt, they felt, it felt like getting to know someone. It was like a proper friendship. It was a proper, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I have to play adult really quick and like, let's be super buttoned up and like, you know, change for these people. It's like, they very much appreciated who we were and we very much appreciated their, um, their willingness to kind of foster us. And like, you know, it was the first big, big launch we had ever done and right. it was great. So, and yeah. so like, were you worried um, about the fulfillment for them or did you start in a couple stores no, and then it went well and then no, they expanded be- or they just started with a big old order? We launched at Pont City Market when they first opened, but then before the product even hit the shelves at Pont City Market, we had been given a project to come out with. They they said, can you tell a story with honey uh, or with lemon and garlic? So we came up with these three, um, three like gift sets, a garlic, a lemon, and honey. And then I, we had no idea what an MOQ was or, you know, so, so we just kind of, um, we, we had their vendor manual and we just obeyed and I mean, went, you know, meticulously by the rules and, you know, my mom and my brother came and helped um, get the sticker things like with a price on the back. And so, you know, they came in on a Sunday and we all kind of got together and like stickered everything. But then it was, it was very, um, it was incredibly rewarding for us to be like, okay, great. Here's compliance. Here's um, how you pack a product and, you know, there are vendor guidelines and mandated like how corrugate is and like how you pack things. So it was our first, oh, I think it was our first like multi pallet order. So right. no, it just happened so organically and couldn't have been at a better time. So, and, and did it change um, the way you had to produce? Like, were you originally producing in one size and all of a sudden you had to scale up and, or did no. you just do more turns of the same? Like what size do you produce it? Yeah, more turns. More turns are the same. I mean, our space dictates kind of how much we can do. And also, I think especially with seasonings, you don't want to scale too much from where you started because then you're going to have to rethink everything. The flavor might not come out as well. So we just bulked up on our – like we made the same portions and just made several batches of it. And that's still how we do everything. So, Um, But no, since then, like now we make sprinkles for them and we'll do anything (laughs) – they're they're just great and 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 I would consider them um wonderful friends as well so but that's how all of these weird big like with the delta and like Jenny's ice cream Sarah who um owns a little tart and Jenny are friends and they were in town Jenny and um Ellen Marie Bennett of Headley and Bennett the aprons I don't know if you're familiar with them but they're wonderful um um but the two of them were with Sarah and Sarah texted me and said hey um, can we come over and visit? And I was like, sure. And so it's like, oh my God, Jenny Burton Bowers, it's a salt check. So, um, Jenny came and made sprinkles and now we make sprinkles for all of her sprinkle shops and her a retail component for them as well. So that was kind of crazy. 
Well, so the sprinkles, because I noticed you have the magical unicorn sprinkles. So you actually do not only those for yourself, but you actually do a whole line of co-packing sprinkles. We do. For, um, for, well, this first started, um, the first private label we ever did was for Fish's Eddie in New York. Um, Julie was at America's Mart and said, can you make me, and everything works. She said, can you make me a salt that's a little Jewish, a little New York? And I said, sure. And so we came up with everything, bagel salt. And then they have a partnership with Amy Sedaris. And she said, well, what, what can we do? Let's do something for our Amy Sedaris line. And I was like, okay, what about sprinkles? Because, you know, I mean, we make dry goods. It's in our, you know, it's in our capability. And so we made sprinkles for Amy Sedaris. And I was like, this is the greatest. And then um, somehow um, when I was sending product samples to Lady Cinema, I sent them the sprinkles. And their their sweet buyer at the time was like, okay, we need to do this. Let's do something. So she and I went back and forth for a while just like, you know, a little bit of this. That's what's kind of really fun about the sprinkles is it's kind of like we can all send pictures to each other and like you know edit or tweak them it's very fun like trying to tell a story through sprinkles and so um with William Cinema we've made easily like 20 to 25 blends of sprinkles together it's it's been fun like for a holiday or a season or a theme or a something you're trying to you know you can do a one-off for some sort of um theme so um, and those are all items that you can only get at William Sonoma, and that you don't sell elsewhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, they're all exclusive to William Sonoma. And then um, when Jenny was in the studio, she literally sat down, and they're really beautiful. Hers, um, she sat down, and within five minutes, made a Jenny's blend, which is it's got orange and pink and this really buttery yellow. And when we make them, I mean, you're just so happy because it's like these colors, like you would never think to put them together, but boy, they look great. And so that, so we make two blends for her. Um, and then, um, yeah, so <laughs> that's how all, you know, she was next door drinking coffee. Alex reached out to William Sonoma and Alex reached out to me when I was here for no reason, just checking my email. And then Delta is a really another fun story. Um, this woman walked in uh, one day. She, um, like, just in, I think, exercise clothes and a, a vest and she walked in and she was carrying a can of friends forever. She's like, Hey, um, I didn't realize you guys were in Atlanta and she had an empty can of friends forever. She goes, I love this salt. And I just, you know, saw that you guys are here. I got it as a hostess gift at a friend's party. Um, it, can I just pick up a can here? And we said, yeah, sure. And this was in the front where the little reception area is. And so we walked her back and Holly took her to the warehouse and um, showed her around and then gave her a can of French forever. And she was like, whoa, this is cool. She's like, um, can you guys bring lunch on, can you guys bring lunch on Friday? Um, I, I'm the, one of the executives at Delta Sky Club and handed us her card. We were like, oh, okay. <laughs> we, <laughs> You're like, oh, that's we, it. We, that's, yeah. Yeah. Um, we produce yeah. salt we, and sugar. What do you mean lunch? Yeah, right. <laughs> So we went and got Super Jenny catered and showed up. And I mean, it was just us. Like, we're normal. Like, we don't do PowerPoint presentations. I mean, it's just literally us, like, in our (laughs) normal clothes. Like, no one. And and we were in this room with all the executives, like, eating lunch. And, like, we just stood there. And we just told our story. Like, here's how Magic Unicorn came to be. Or here's what we do. And then we just all kind of took turns talking about the flavors and, um, you know, mentioning 
you know, just little stories. And then, I mean, there was no beginning or end. There was no questioning. It was just like, okay, it was sort of like doing a skit at a, at a <laughs> talent show or something. Right. Like we weren't trying to charm anybody. We were just like, well, this is what we do. <laughs> and so, and then the next day we got an email saying, Susie, this is our um, executive chef for um, Sky Club. Can you guys come up with a few? And then all of a sudden, and then he's really lovely. We actually text back and forth. A lot of stuff is done. You would be amazed at like, how many things you can come up with, like just by texting or, or having a quick phone conversation, like editing a food flavor, something that's so impactful like that. It's just like, can you do a little less of this? Or like by looking at a picture of a spice blend, oh, I think it needs more X, Y, Z. So that's how we, um, with Delta, sorry, I'm just talking all over the place. They were launching, um, they were launching a pho bar in their Sky Club and they wanted a finishing seasoning. So we came up with a, a mushroom umami and a uh, sort of like a, a savory spice blend, sort of like the French picnic, but with less salt. And so those were the first two flavors we launched. And then we have um, another kind of pan-Asian, another two, one's a lemongrass. Um, and then a espresso, um, a vanilla espresso sugar. And then we're working on like flavor seven and eight now. So we ship to them weekly to the, all the Sky Clubs in various you know, it could be back of house or sometimes we'll do shakers, but that's been really fun. So all of these crazy. (laughs) No, I mean, it's amazing. I'm just sitting here like this is so fun. And I love the authentic growth and how it's just really kind of organic. I mean, people have kind of come to you. It was, you didn't even know who they were. I, I love that you guys just go and be you, you, you know, you're not trying to put on a suit and do some presentation. You're just like, this is who we are. This is what we do. And I think people appreciate that obviously, right? Like you're seeing growth in, you know, that you probably didn't even ever imagine that maybe you would have. No. And the great thing is like, it's you, I feel like if you try to, I, it just all has to happen naturally. I just feel like you can, if it's, if it doesn't, for one, this is food, and this is directly related to someone's lifestyle. And I feel like there has to be, um, without uh, without question, integrity there. But there also has to be, these days, like, there's got to be some sort of natural component to it. Like, a, like a, either a story behind it or just some sense of, like, well, you know, when right now you can pick up your phone and have your groceries delivered to your door you know, why are you choosing, you know, it's just, I feel like the story is so important and, and the intention behind what you're making, whether, you know, whatever widget you're making, but with food, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's definitely got to have some sort of story behind it, if that makes sense. So I just feel like we're still, we're so lucky to be able to, for one, have a story and to be able to tell it and for it to be working, you know, people are buying our stuff and then they'll re, you know, um, reinvest in it and and purchase it so we're just happy to be doing this i think the other amazing thing that you guys have going on is well you know there's lots of artists and businesses you've been able to grow and not only have you been able to grow you've been able to continue to wear all the hats a lot of times people their growth makes it so they can no longer do their own production and so i think that's a pretty amazing thing that you guys the five of you are still being able to do all the production required to do these national accounts it's super impressive yeah it's it's well the and the i I feel like, yeah, if we ever, if we ever wanted to take over the grocery world or, you know, big box world, then that would definitely be a co-packer, totally different branding. But right now, like 
I love the fact that the Williams Sonomas don't compete with the mom and pops and the mom and pops and the Williams Sonomas don't compete with our farmers markets. It's sort of like we have these three main like arms of our business and they all work together, you know? Um, So I think that keeps us in balance. You know, if, if, if Walmart came in and said, we want a hundred thousand units, I think we would um, have to say no because, well, I mean, it's for one, actually, to answer what you were saying and to kind of backtrack, I think um, branding, um, staying true to your brand is so important, but also saying no is important and learning who you, you are going to jump in and do business with. Because we, we have had to say no to several opportunities, which I'm sure uh, a business person would step back and be like, that's the craziest thing. You know, but, but if it doesn't fit, like if the partnership doesn't feel right, then right. You, it, it's... So I've never regretted saying no to anybody and sometimes maybe um, regretted. And this is one thing that's been hard. I'm such a nice, like, I'm, it's hard for me to say no, but I've learned and it's actually, it's been very hard. Right. But, um, and then also, you know, and I've learned the hard way by saying yes to, you know, somebody wants to do a small custom run and then it just takes all the energy out of you and then you don't like it. And then you're like, why am I doing this? So I don't know. Learning to say yes and no at the right times has been the biggest challenge for, for me. Um, And then growth, you know, I just feel like if you ever try to, people are talking about how scaling is so hard and growing is so hard. Just, it is, it's incredibly hard, like financially. And, um, and then just on a, if you ever walk in and don't like what you do, then that's terrible. And this is such a, such a labor of love here. And if it, if that, day ever comes where it isn't then I think you'd be able to immediately see it in our product and so every all of those um, elements have to stay in check right I mean entrepreneurs get into doing it because they have a passion for what they're doing and so I completely agree with that you have to have a passion and what you're producing and whatnot. And yeah, I get it. The saying no is hard. I mean, we talked with another group and, you know, they had to turn down a major national account, but it didn't really fit what they were wanting to do. And I mean, at some point you did start this for yourself, right? I mean, as much as you want to put something out into the world, you also want to have a job that you love doing and a means to an end and, you know, be passionate about your life every day. So, right. So it makes a lot of sense, but it takes also a lot of knowing yourself and discipline to sometimes turn down the things when you know it's going to change the trajectory of your business and what your day-to-day life looks like. And so, yeah. you know, I think that's really wise. Well, yeah, well, it's it just, I've always, when I just, maybe when I was in my twenties, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to call my life project-based living. And so these projects, I call this like my restaurant was a project. This is a project, but I love it. Like I wouldn't want it any other way. And if you make it too rigid, then you're going to burn out. If you make it too hobby, then it's never going to like form into something. So I think like calling it a project is sort of this nice balance between those two. And, you know, if we need to grow up and button up and, you know, bundle this up and sell it, yeah, we can do that. But, um, or if we need to dial it back and just do farmer's markets and then, you know, then we can do that. But right now I just think that we're in a great space and I, I don't ever, you know, I, I think we're in a really comfortable place. We're still poised growth we're still growing but um our relationships and then our you know our 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 creativity have to stay fresh and nourished and nurtured all the time or we would we would not exist (laughs) so 
Right. Keeping, keeping those. Yeah. So how many items are you producing? Because obviously the list that you have on your website is just a part of it because there's uh private label ones you're doing and one specialty for other like a Williams Sonoma. So how many total SKUs are you guys producing? We have about 20 in our roster at the, the BDS products, about 20 to 22. Um, and then we have, um, private label or collaborative, um, pro- well, it, it's, it depends. So with William Sonoma, it's, um, it's, kind of seasonal um, there's some core items and then there's some um, just seasonal items so with them I think we've made close to 30 items and then with those 30 um, I'd say about eight to ten or core items which means they're always in production and then um, with Jenny's uh, we make uh, two items for her and with Delta we're about to go into our seventh item wow so um, and then with other, well, and then our partnership with Gun Show, Kevin Gillespie, um, we make six products for him and that's a true collaboration and it's really fun. And then they're, they're, they, we, um, we have an open door policy with any um, bar or, um, kitchen program here. Anybody's welcome at any time to walk in and make their own blend. And so that's what we did with, um, Kevin and we started making the gunpowder, which was the grand prize winner. Um, and then that's turned into six products. So, I don't know. It's sort of like there's a there's a there's a little blur when it comes to <laughs> right what you know we have our products and then we have our you know friend products and then we have some private label stuff. But I would say all in all, like close to forty items right now in production. But it sounds a, like a lot, but it's actually very organized. And we have um, if you ever come to the studio, which I hope you guys will, we have we have cubby holes in the back, and that's where we store our product. And then we have like. Everyone, um, all of our partner friends have like a little section of the warehouse. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, my head, it always goes to math. And so for some reason I'm sitting here like 40 products and how do you do production? And there's 30 days in a month. And, you know, I'm like sitting here, like, how do you coordinate (laughs) that? I mean, at some point you just do production, keep it in bulk. And then as orders come in, you then package it or you, whenever you produce it, you go straight to packaging. It depends. Our stuff stays in bulk, so we'll have we have production days, and then we have packing days. And packing, I mean, in the production room, like actually filling filling the cans and right. stuff. And then we do a lot of bulk stuff as well. So like we have ten pound bags. Like we do, we have a bulk program with Whole Foods and with Jenny's, like her sprinkles for her sprinkles, her scoop shop. Um, and then so, uh, but then you know, if we have a large PO to fill, we'll do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We fill um, these three POs. And then we palletize them, and then they leave on their ship window. But then, um, like today, we're making um, we're making three salt flavors. So we'll blend one, pack one, and then it goes to be um, warehoused in the back. And then we'll blend the next one, pack it, and it goes back. But then tomorrow, I think tomorrow's a sprinkles day, so it'll be all for another company. And then that'll get packed and palletized, and it'll probably go out Monday or Tuesday. So it just depends. We, we sit and figure out the production schedule um, like a week out. So, Well, and the just, crazy part then, is, then, is you've learned how to do operations basically amongst all of it. I'm still learning. I have no idea what that means. I'm kidding. But, like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. <laughs> we, like, the, if you are the most organized person, like something is going to happen. Like our salt that um, we love, it's, it's, a, it's a sea salt we get from Saltworks, which is one of the greatest companies. They are in uh, Seattle right outside of Seattle. 
um, the salt base that we use was backordered for about eight weeks. So you can imagine, we were just like, what is going on? So everything, it's sort of, when I thought I was escaping the chaos of a restaurant, you know, like when the dishwasher breaks or when, you know, I mean, stuff happens here too, like as, as organized as you can be, like things happen on a daily basis. Less chaotic, a little easier to fix. You might have to have some downtime. Like our labeling machine, one of the parts broke. Well, hey, the machine's made in Australia. So, you know, we couldn't label cans for seven days. So you have to be, um, well, and I'm not an organized person. I love chaos. I love a mess. I live, you know, that's how I'm in my creative space. Well, obviously in this industry, um, it's not like a kitchen where, you know, things can, you know, this is a very, you know, especially with compliance and our production room, you know, it's very organized. And um, so, so um, we have to be, it's, it's, this is where it's worked for me. It's like being organized and having a schedule and, and having to think like with forecasting and ordering because um, that's, it's a different, it's even a different, like financially, you know, you, you have um, with a restaurant, we had cash and credit card sales every day with this for one, you have to buy product. You have to sit on it um, until the product is finished. Then you have to get it to the um, distributor. He will then get it to, uh, you know, wherever the, the end is. And then, and you start in that 30 day term. So here you're out like 120 days. Um, whereas the That's restaurant, lot, is like, right. you know, you were out like 24 hours. So yeah, I've, I've been thinking like, especially at the more we've grown and the larger the POs are, that's the larger amount of money that we're, you know, out of pocket for so many days. So there are efficiencies that have to be considered and built in on that aspect. And so I thought, wow, in a perfect place, I'd have a small restaurant and this company so we'd have credit cards and cash coming in. And right. that, so, yeah, I mean, cash flow is king for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, with, from the operations perspective, I had no idea. I just, you know, remember this is a project. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting um, having to really kind of step back and go, okay, um, we've got, XYZ coming up like right now what are we it's May it's early May and we've already um I've already started sketching out um Christmas like holiday like what we're going to need how we're going to need how many cans we need to order um and then you contact your suppliers and say hey I might I mean so you have to kind of give forecasting to your suppliers six to 12 months out so so just to make sure because um we've been um in the position several times oh well yep sorry these all 50,000 of those are spoken for um, I can maybe find you, you know, so, um, it's been, it's been, uh, I feel like I talk adult when I order anything over like 10,000 or 5,000. It's like, <laughs> I never thought I would be doing this. So I am. <laughs> so. Right. Oh my gosh. So of all the things you do, because I mean, there's obviously 50 million moving parts to any business, which is the part that you enjoy the most and which is the part that you're a little bit dread? Um, I love making, I love, um, just making flavors like or coming up with an idea or when someone calls now and says, Hey, what do you think about? And then I can, it's weird. I'm like, who's that person talking? Like if they ask me, Hey, what do you think about so-and-so? And then I'm like, Oh, here's what I think. Or because I know. And that's like, why do I know? It's like, cause that's what I do every day. Like if someone wants, or like a flavor profile, like, Hey, can you do it? And I'm like, yes. And I immediately know what it's going to be. So I love that. I love being able to create these things. I feel so lucky that and and I, I get to be creative and food is my you know my palate I mean that's the dream come true right so that's what I love the most and then did you say what what's the most 
and then what's the most what like yeah or the thing that's you're kind of like oh it's not really your wheelhouse or you don't enjoy it or it's just a difficult part for you that you're although sometimes you can offload those to other people but um dealing um i guess the customer customer relations in the sense when um people that don't get it like dealing with people especially in this industry of food like people want nine million things going on in this product that you want to develop and you have to say no we can or it's not going to work i guess not being having the having to deal with the relationship side of things and sort of having to rein somebody in or um having to um kind of edit someone's idea um so and I guess that just really mainly speaks to customer service stuff. If, if it were me, everything would be perfect and we wouldn't have to um, have any personality issues or differences. So um, I guess back to me being a yes person, kind of learning the hard way and then now having to sort of have that, um, have my antenna up to be able to like have to say no or walk through a situation or kind of dial something back. So I don't like the, I don't like the having to manage I don't, I'm not, a, I don't like having to manage relations, I guess. It's, it's kind of a vague response, but if you want something more acute, um, <laughs> uh, on a day-to-day basis, what am I not looking forward to today? I don't know. I mean, just me curious, see. I think it's funny that you said that about the, I mean, I can see the part about when it's, when you're the type of person that it's hard for you to say no, that, you know, conflict is sometimes uncomfortable and all of that. But I think you're so personable that, you know, I find that interesting because you just have a really nice way about you and just, I don't know. So I, I kind of was surprised by your answer with that because you just seem so great and easy and, um, but I get it, you know, it's definitely hard when you have a conflict and you have to address that, you know. Well, because some people, I guess, I some people just don't get it in the sense that I just assume that everyone is nice and that everyone is going to be, um, you know, transparent with things and that everybody's going to. And so when I talk my, you know, like run on sentences that never made sense I'm just assuming everyone understands what I mean so having to like have to dial myself back and like and like actually explain things like I don't know we've been so incredibly lucky that people do understand my weird uh language and so um when when on the rare occasion that that doesn't happen I just I feel like it's a business and sometimes when I have to put on business Susie and actually Robbie will even tell me when I come home sometimes he's like wait whoa business Susie's in the house wait can you please like <laughs> So, and, and my mom, even yesterday, we were talking. She's like, "You've got that business voice. Can just call me later." Like, okay. so, you know. it, it happens, though, right? You're uh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know that's so true. So, There's a business Deborah, a, a mama Deborah. I wear my different hats, Justin. right? Yeah, podcast Justin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So if, if you could tell any entrepreneurs, any, anything, you know, two or three things, whatever, or more, however many you think, what are the things that you think are the most important things for an entrepreneur to know? I think it's incredibly important to always do something with the community. Like if we didn't do the farmer's markets, we wouldn't have some of the flavors we do because you constantly need to be, um, I guess that's what a marketing or research and development component of a large corporate company is. It is like connecting with people and going to markets or just you have to constantly have a conversation and talk about 
your product because you have no idea what your product is until you have to engage with people. And, you know, we didn't have a website for the first four years and people were like, you're crazy. I'm like, you don't have a website. You're never going to survive. I'm like, well, what, what story am I going to tell? Like, we don't even know our story yet. So I think it's incredible. Like people are like, first you need a website. And then I'm like, we don't, I don't know what we are yet. Like I'm, what, what am I going to like, you know, have this just boring, stale language. So my my first piece of advice was that's just vital. Like you've got to figure out who you are and you've got to figure out your story and you're not going to figure it out unless you're engaging with the community. Um, that's why that's, that show in Seattle was so important. That's why getting in the um, community farmer's markets here and Peachtree Road and Freedom, like every week, and people are like, oh, you're so big now. I'm like, no, we're not. And like, this is, I, I wouldn't, not go to a market once a week. You know, it's so incredibly important um, to engage with the people you're selling your product to. I mean, why make it if you're not, you know, going to need to, I mean, you constantly need to hear. So um, that's one thing. And two is just like, just stay focused. And if you, if you, if you're trying to grow and looking for these huge opportunities, then you're taking your, your attention away from, the whole point of being in business, which is making your product and focusing on your product. So these opportunities will come if your focus is on making the best product you can with the most integrity behind it and a personality to back it up and sell it. So, and sell it means just be as authentic as you possibly can be because that's, that's what people want, especially these days. So I love it. I think both um, of those are super wise. <laughs> no, I love it. And I think that having your own story and I mean, I think that's part of what makes your products so amazing and that you've stayed you, you know, a lot of people go out there and they're writing their business plans or they're doing whatever, and they're trying to follow a format, which at some point there is a little bit, you know, you have to have cash flow and you have to be able to find profitability and all of those different things. But I think the individuality of it is so, so important. And I think that that's why people have fallen in love with your products because they see you through all of that. And that's really, you know, got to be that much more rewarding. And I think when it gets stale and people go into, you know, doing what they think they have to do instead of being authentic, who they are, um, you know, we're all our best selves and we're not very good at trying to mimic other people. And so people like the things yeah. that make us different, you know? And so yours shines through very brightly and your products are awesome. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much. Thank so, you. Thank you. <laughs> so I have a question, Susie, just because you mentioned that you, there's like not a lot of the spices and uh, things that you need in Georgia and, and the volume of demand. If someone out there, some entrepreneur in the state of Georgia was like, I'm going to take a, build a giant greenhouse, you know, um, probably aquaponics or, or something like that, aquaponics or hydroponics or something in order to grow the variety, because I'm assuming it has to be done indoor, but I don't know. But if someone were to do that... Oh, no, that, it could be wild harvested. It could. Yeah. And so, but well, it's, it's, just, like, it's just not out there yet. And Georgia, is that sort of what's going on there? I'm just curious. Well, alley, all the alleyums, like all garlic and chilies and onions absolutely are here. Um, and then sumac is abundant in the southeast. And that's one of the main ingredients we use here. And then some of the citrus, um, there's a citrus uh, in, in Statesboro. So we do have a wealth of resources here and the honey but as far as like you know all the ingredients in the curry or um like the 
the, to grow on a large scale. Um, yeah, I think that would be an incredible opportunity here, especially with the vertical gardens and the hydroponics like that you see in inner cities on the West Coast. Um, like just in these crazy urban, like blighted areas, there are these incredibly cool, like hydroponic. They're even taking um, uh, containers, uh, shipping containers, and just stacking them on top of each other, and and putting in a, um, a an irrigation system and growing herbs. So um, I think that that's a, that would be yeah, it would be great. <laughs> and then we could just all. I mean, what a fabulous idea. Good job, Justin. When are you going to start it? No, well, that, well, obviously, you know where I'm going as an entrepreneur. So, I, But I was just curious because, I, I mean, we're, we're obviously one of the things we're doing in Georgia is trying to tie all the pieces together food, for food and beverage entrepreneurs uh, as well as nutrition well, entrepreneurs and then, in the state. So that's why I asked. I'm like, well, there's a connection piece there that's probably missing that the whole state could use. Uh, and you already have oh, the volume sure. of business then, to support something. Well, and then think about it, too. I think that there is a federal, if not a state grant. I think they are trying to um, start seeding, like, the pecan trees for, for truffle growth. I'm not sure. I know that they were doing it in North Carolina. I think they're doing it in Georgia. Um, but that would be amazing. Um, I'm, I'll have to check up on that today to see how that's going. How to, are you familiar with it? Do you know anything about it? No, um, I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to ask around now. Um, and obviously, yeah, the I think University that, of Georgia has a huge resource there to ask at the oh, yeah, Center for Agribusiness. Yeah. 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 So, all right. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I will definitely great... be in touch uh, on that as we get we get closer. I made notes here. Deborah gave me a new notebook for my podcast, so the audience knows, because oh, I was good. literally <laughs> writing on the back of, like, scheduling sheets and all that and now she's giving me my handy little notebook so well, it's like on he's he like has his chicken scratch on like back of receipts and back of like <laughs> they, i'm like how do you keep track of that i'm like here you can have a page for each person when you talk to him <laughs> i know it's actually a better system it's like one of those things that seems so obvious after it's done but you know now that we're yeah. like recorded over a hundred episodes i have a hundred episodes of chicken scratch and like three episodes <laughs> okay. in the notebook <laughs> Oh, well, that, that kind of sounds like I'm looking at the back of my door, which is always open, so I never really get to look at the back of it because I wanted it to be quiet in here. It's, like, full of, like, scotch tape notes of, like, flavors and things to do. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we'd yeah. love to come visit you guys when we're in Georgia and Atlanta one of these times. Oh, I didn't please. realize you guys were so close to where the flavor of Georgia and stuff was. We can um, actually oh, just yeah. stay the, right there right. one of these days and, and walk down there. Deborah might want to create her own spice, though. <laughs> yeah, that could be yes, fun. Yes, yes. <laughs> but the magical unicorn's already taken, Deborah. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> that's what that's what I call Deborah. That's her name. She's my the yes. unicorn. But she, we'll perfect. have to figure out yes. something else. Never seen bed bed knobs and broomsticks would be one. Can't no, I'm going to watch it okay. tonight, and yeah. then that won't be applicable anymore. That's like growing up in the '80s and not okay. seeing the Goonies movie. Yeah. Oh, you're right. You're well, right I a little that. bit, I am going to tell on myself right here. So when you asked about Little House on the Prairie, I do know the show, but I actually haven't seen that either. And I know that's shocking. I grew up in that era. Oh, I definitely should have seen it. And everyone, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out if it's on, you know, some way to watch it, but I will go back and watch that too. And then I will be in full know of your, and I'm going to go listen to your songs too. So I have the whole, okay, good. the okay, Ladybug great. picnic song. And, yeah. <laughs> I've got my list of homework. 
Yeah, and I'm going to tell on Deborah a little okay, bit good. real quick. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but Deborah is actually, she doesn't, she's not a TV or a movie person. Deborah's like a gamer. And it's not in the traditional sense of video games like Whoa. Xbox or PlayStation, but Deborah games like crazy on the apps on her phone. She's I a gamer. I only play like Spider, which is basically solitaire. That's the only and thing Spider I really like. Spider and Candy Crush was <laughs> an addiction. I used to play and Candy Crush. Candy Crush, the... I was going to say. Yeah. And yeah. I love Sudoku <laughs> I lo- and I love Tetris. So those are kind of my, my things. Yeah. So Deborah's <laughs> okay. a gamer at heart. Okay. I have my limited ones, you know, Justin and my daughter Zoe, they're always like, play Mario Kart. And I'm like, yeah, it's not my thing, you know. Yeah, you're definitely more committed, though. But thank you very much, Susie, for being on the episode. Thank you guys so much. It's it's a real treat. And thanks for thanks for making me um, have to talk and tell my story. It's what keeps me going. It's what keeps us going. It's what, you know, it's, it's thank you for doing what you're doing. You've been great. And uh, anyone in the audience, you can find uh, Beautiful Briny C on the internet. Just type it in the search bar and on social media. If you type it in, it it brings it up on any of the social media channels. Uh, See what they're doing. Try the different types of flavors. You know, I challenge anyone, just order one. I promise you will not be disappointed in any of it. And, uh, and everyone in the audience, thank you for listening in. Uh, we just went over 41 countries this morning uh, that were being streamed in. So that's pretty amazing. And we're tens of thousands of downloads at this point all over the world. So that's so incredible. And uh, so thank you, everyone, for listening in. And uh, if you want to reach out to me or want to be on the podcast, it's Justin at thefoodentrepreneurs.com. And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Justin and the Food Entrepreneurs. Thank you everyone for listening in and have a great day.